to the NCTM podcast. I'm Gwen Trezida from the NCTM communications team and today we're going to talk about addressing social and political issues in maths lessons. How much is this a maths teacher's responsibility and how can it be done well, particularly given that these issues could be sensitive in a way that teaching trig for example might not be. I have with me today Tom Rainbow who is part of AMSP's core maths team and therefore very experienced in creating and delivering maths lessons around real world issues issues that students can really get fired up about. Hi Tom. Hi, hi Gwen. And I also have Alistair Bissell who designs and leads professional development for teachers in A-level and core maths with a particular interest in online CPD. He works for NCTM's partner organisation MEI. Hi Alistair. Hello. This conversation has come about because Tom and Alistair have recently been working with the Royal Meteorological Society to develop resources for teaching maths using real life data and information from climate science. We'll start by hearing about the resources and then we'll look at some of the challenges and opportunities created by tackling thorny issues in maths lessons. And we'll also take a deeper dive into some of the maths in these resources. So uh, Alistair, do you want to start by just describing the resources you've created. Give us a sort of overview of what's there and um, and who the resources are for as well, please. Yes, so we've um, we've worked on creating three, well, resources under three different climate uh, contexts. So um, we've got some resources around uh, trees, some resources around extreme weather, and some resources around electric cars. Um, and we decided that one of these would be an extended resource. So the um, the resources around trees, um, you could create potentially several lessons um, out of those resources, whereas the extreme weather ones and the electric car car resources are shorter. Um, and then for each of these three sets of resources, there are two versions. So one that's made suitable for um, core maths classrooms and then we've adapted them to make them more suitable for key stage three classrooms as well. So there are two versions of each of the resources, one for core maths and one for key stage three. Okay and uh, just to clarify for those that don't know, although I'm sure most of our listeners now know, core maths is the level three qualification that sits alongside students doing A-levels and is equivalent to half an A-level. So I'm, I'm interested to hear from you really what you think maths teachers responsibilities are for addressing climate change and indeed other social and political issues. I'm just wondering isn't it more appropriately done in science or RE or geography? Do you, do you want to well, tackle that one Tom? Yeah I'll have a go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's a particularly easy question. The, the role of a maths teacher I think is very much dictated by the mathematics that you're 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 doing in the classroom and I think a lot of the time the, the fact that you're doing mathematics practicing these skills building this this toolkit means that you don't it even though you should be contextualizing I think a lot of the time that doesn't actually happen and it's when you start contextualizing mathematics and realizing that it's a, a set of tools that you can use to, to help understand the world around you better that you start bringing in context and and things start to get um, perhaps more challenging as a teacher. Um, so the fact that you've got a, you know, the way you you've worded your question, and you talk about responsibility. Um, you, you do have a responsibility as a maths teacher, I think, to kind of 
get students to realize that maths helps them understand things understand things better um but i think a lot of the time that doesn't kind of show itself um naturally in your classroom alistair i suppose i think that there's a dangerous maths teachers that we set our subject out as being independent of other subjects when really i feel maths teachers have a responsibility to communicate and show students that maths kind of permeates all other things that we do in the world so employers are interested in maths skills they're helpful in uh, in all subjects and so um i think there's a real uh, sort of danger that that maths is seen as something separate from the world whereas I think more more realistically maths is a way of helping us understand the world and see the world in different ways and in more informed ways and that applies to climate contexts as much as it does any other context. What do you think the benefits are that teachers might feel in the classroom if they are bringing these contexts into their lessons? Well, I think in engagement for a start, I think students engage with these with mathematics in these settings and they, they realise that, you know, it has a point to it. You know, a lot of the time maths teachers complain that students are saying, why am I having to learn this? I'm not I'm not ever going to need to know this. And 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 yet, you know, a, a lot of the time they do need to know it and it is really useful, but they just haven't been shown how it can be. So. You know, I think I think that um, contextualizing mathematics is really, really important, as Alistair says. Um, and we're hoping that these resources enable teachers to feel confident to to bring those sorts of conversations into their lessons be before the students enter their level three learning. Thanks. Alistair, did you want to add something there? Just that we actively made the decision to avoid GCSE maths and A-level maths where there might be more pressure on teachers to, um, I don't know, cover the mathematics or teach the mathematics that's needed for those exams. We wanted teachers to be able to be free to work with the maths in context. Um, and so Key Stage 3 and Core Maths classrooms felt like that was, um, teachers might have more permission to do that. Right, thank you. And how did you choose which aspects of climate change to look at? That must have been a difficult decision. <laughs> yes, um, yes and no. So um, in a sense it didn't really matter, I don't think. So our sort of first requirement was that the the mathematics should feel meaningful and, and um, we shouldn't <laughs> be shoehorning climate contexts into some learning of mathematics or the other way around taking a climate context and really trying to force some maths in where it didn't fit so we we began with the contexts um, and exploring them to see what mathematics came out of them and so um all three of the resources we've created begin with either um, some a tweet or a video or something real from the context itself. And then we worked on exploring these contexts and quite quickly mathematics came out of it. So um, 
So the contexts themselves were suggested by the Royal Meteorological Society, but it often began with them saying, well, we've got this data that seems quite interesting. So they had some data available on trees um, graphs of um, carbon storage from different species of tree over time. And we just set to work on trying to think about these graphs and what 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 we could um, discover and what questions they raised. And out of that came the mathematics and the resources. What are you hoping that students will learn from using these resources? First of all, mathematically, but also in terms of their broader education. Have you got an agenda to change thinking around climate change or behaviour? In terms of math- mathematics, I think one of the things that I mean, we've spoken about this a bit already, that was critical was that students see mathematics as being meaningful. And so um, that that mathematics can allow us ways of seeing the world differently. And so we actively avoided the situation of taking um, some mathematics and then rewriting questions in a climate context, um, because we didn't want students to learn that actually the first role here is to strip out all of the context so I can get to the mathematics. Um, We needed the the context to be critical throughout. Um, So one aspect was, yes, making students see mathematics as meaningful. Um, Another is throughout the resources is about a kind of critical analysis and realising that often data presented isn't simple. It's, It's been crystallized and condensed in a nice way to be presentable and um, communicate some message but actually when you dig deeper there are always complex decisions that have been made with the statistics um, in how the data has been collected and so we we want students to critically analyze um, the data the, the the later question you asked I wonder if you could ask it again it, yeah, yeah, my memory is it was thorny it was to do with whether whether there's an agenda to change behavior or thinking yeah i don't i don't think we feel uh, i think uh, responsibility rather than agenda but i think we feel that we uh you know that the climate climate resources have a place in the classroom and um we would like to be part of that you know the that that picture uh, that we would be able to provide something that teachers might want to use that will enable them to, you know, get students to engage with that issue, with those issues, whilst also seeing that mathematics has a part to play in understanding. My sense of do we have an agenda is perhaps not. I think we personally find climate issues really important um, and perhaps want to offer opportunity for other teachers who feel likewise to um, work on these issues in in, a, in their classrooms and so hopefully these resources help that. That has led us to thinking about in more detail a lot of um, quite difficult issues. Um, should we be offering um, hopefulness um, to students or should we be quite stark in presenting um, just how severe the climate emergency is? Um, and I think it, it's difficult for us to say what teachers should do. So we've offered some teacher notes and some of our thoughts where where that might come up as an issue. I think I think my sense is that 
I'd like to develop critical thinking in students so that they can have a stronger voice in uh, and have a, a stronger sense of their own feelings of whether they feel hopeful or whether they uh, feel despair. As well, I, th I think in terms of maths teachers' responsibilities, there's a there's a danger that maths just raises awareness of how severe the climate emergency is, and then maybe we see our job done at that point. And there's a real danger that we could terrify some children by look these maths tools allow us to see how serious this situation is, and now maths is done and the problem's over to you to solve. Um, and I think we wanted to offer just um, some kind of indication of some actions or m maybe I think as maths teachers if we're going to work on climate issues in classrooms then we have a responsibility to support students in managing their greater awareness either by providing actions or strengthening their critical voice or um, something that empowers them as well as just um, says how desperate the situation is. We, we right. also we also felt very strongly and, and you you kind of started this conversation didn't you Alistair about students feeling guilty as well you know that you, you know you raise you raise the issue that flying for example produces a lot of emissions it's not a particularly you know it's not a good way of traveling in terms of the climate so does that mean that students then who are going on holiday in the summer with their parents are going to feel guilt and you know maybe feel like they're part of the problem and you know, you don't want to you don't want the conversation to end there do you that's that's why these i think getting the balance in the resources is really important and that you don't just as Alistair said raise the issues but also provide some sort of way that students can kind of get involved in sort of mitigating um to some extent um so hopefully you know that balance has been found in these resources yeah it's clear that a lot of uh thought has gone into the the sort of um potential emotiveness of those issues so uh, that's good to hear and i'd suggest that maths teachers are perhaps less familiar with managing class discussion about emotive or political yeah. issues than teachers of other subjects that do it day in day out so um, yeah i'm just wondering if, what tips you might have for managing those emotions and strongly expressed opinions constructively in the classroom well i think i i had a, a good think about this um and and i i think one of the things that Pete Griffin actually used to talk to me about was your place, literally your place in the classroom, where you stand, how you stand in your classroom. Um, and he he used to talk about this idea that the, often what he, he would see when he went to observe maths teaching was this kind of ping pong of teacher, student, teacher, student, teacher, student. And he said that for him, maths conversation became really exciting when it was more of a kind of a basketball sort of situation where it was being passed around the room. And he noticed that a lot of the time that was happening was when the teacher positioned themselves away from the front of the room. So they, they would take themselves to the side or to the back of the room even, and they'd be looking at the, the resources alongside their students so that you're all kind of observing together what's going on on that board you're still in charge you don't you haven't absolved yourself of any responsibility but it it just enables a conversation to to flow a bit more I noticed it when I was teaching core maths that I was able to I, I was conscious of where I stood um, right 
and and I think it made a big difference. And the other thing I think that you really should do is is go and see some other teachers teaching these sorts of things. You know, go and go and watch your history colleagues or your 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 science teachers teaching difficult emotive subjects and see how they manage it because they will be really good practice in your school. Go on, Alistair. I just wanted to add that um, I think there's a decision to be made as to whether you want difference of opinion in the classroom. Um, and we've taken the stance that we've actively tried to provoke difference of opinion in these resources to kind of welcome and value different opinions. And so I think there's an important message there about um, if, if you make decisions to avoid difference of opinion, then you might communicate that it's not welcome. And um, in this context of um, climate, in, in climate contexts, there, there are potentially some quite um, strong difference of opinion that are deeply rooted in traditions. Um, and I think we have a, a responsibility to allow students to um, have different opinions and strong different opinions and it's not the teacher's role to decide which is opinion which opinion is correct necessarily but 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 then also there's this role that you know that there's the role of mathematics in helping unpick those differences of opinion as well and I suppose you have a responsibility as a as a math teacher to to be aware that if you're if you're then bringing in some some data for example that's going to back up one side or the other. You need to just consider, well, am I am I pushing my own agenda here? Is that is this data biased towards a particular point of view, or or is it, you know, irrefutable? Um, and so, even even the use of mathematics, which you could say is kind of concrete, isn't really, is it? You are still, you know, steering a, steering a, a point of view through the use of mathematics. Yeah, and I was thinking about that because I think um, teachers will be concerned about the need to present a balanced picture. And yet they may have their own very strong opinions about these issues. Yes. So how to manage that is is difficult, isn't it? I don't know if you've got any suggestions there. Well, <laughs> I think you you just need to be, you know, mindful of your own of your own agenda. I think that's the first thing that you, you you know when when you go into doing anything which is based in context whether it's climate change or some other issue you do need to be you know aware that you're you're going to be presenting your own you know a bit of yourself and and the students will see that immediately i i could remember a couple of years ago doing some work with some um some sixth form students in in a co local college it was just a, a one-off event. Uh, I went in to, to model some core maths teaching. I showed them a, a graph of um, income inequality against social issues. And I said, what are you looking at here? What do you notice? What do you wonder? And and this lad just put his hand up and said, I notice a load of left-wing propaganda. So I think you you know, you can't expect students to not make judgments about you when you're working on these things and I think you just need to be very aware that that's going to come across and as much as possible you you try and steer away from being too much on one side or the other or you, you offer think, both. 
Do you think it's best to come clean then about your own opinions? I don't know. I mean, I suppose what my focus would be more on the thought processes involved. So if a student expresses um, an opinion um, that could be quite strong, then then I would be asking questions about that. So what's your reasoning? What what evidence do you have? And I suppose I see the role of mathematics as one of constructing convincing arguments. And so um, drawing upon data, drawing upon sort of reasoning. And does anybody else have different opinions? And can you back that up? And what are the reasons for your for your view? Um, feels like a helpful way of perhaps being a bit more neutral in the classroom. Um, and I think I think the resources often have some sort of activity that might offer some insight into a situation and they don't try to provide all the answers. So students are free throughout to have opposing or different opinions. And then there might be another stimulus offered that might allow some more insight into the situation so that you can say, well, what, how does this change what you thought? And the idea that views don't have to be fixed is helpful. Um, I've kind of, I realise I haven't, I suppose I, I tend to try and avoid um, explicitly stating my opinion because it takes away some permission from the students to then have their own views um, and yet undoubtedly some of my own view would come across. I think I think just <clears throat> allowing opportunity for students to strengthen and their own voice and make their own voice heard is is a good thing. Um, just to empower them and um, allow them to see that yes if I can find some evidence to support my opinion then that makes my voice stronger. Uh, let's now try and get into some of the nitty gritty of the maths. Do you want to, uh, Alistair, do you want to pick one of the resources and just tell us what sort of maths it, it explores and how, just so that our listeners can get a sort of picture of when, if they go and have a look at these resources, what they might be finding and which classes they might be suitable for so they can think about them in a very practical way. Well, briefly, if I give an overview of some of the maths in in each of the resources and then and then I'll okay. choose one. So so the trees resource has opportunity for students to kind of make sense of large numbers. Um, there's invitations to do lots of estimation. The planning of the resource started around graphs. Um, and so the students trying to interpret those graphs, read the scales accurately and the scales aren't easy to understand and then replotting graphs and interpreting them again kind of is is the maths around the trees resource um the extreme weather resource um students are invited to get a sense of what a normally distributed um well temperature in this case readings might look like and um, so they'll explore standard deviation or measures of spread um the mean and sampling techniques um in that and then and that's all on um desmos slides isn't it so would you imagine having each student at a computer for that lesson um i think ideally yes um but at the same time i've i've run that um 
I've run that where I've kind of led it using the Desmos activity um, and that that's okay as well. But ideally, yes, if, if students had access to play around with the, the dynamic normal distribution in that in that activity, then that that would be would be better, I think. Yeah. Um, and that's the only one of the resources that draws upon Desmos in a kind of um, essential way. Um, mm -hmm. And then the electric cars one is about interpreting data in an infographic, making sense of percentages and proportions and then using that to make predictions. I think the extreme weather one might be good to talk about in more detail in yeah. terms of. Um, yeah, getting to some of the nitty gritty, as you said, okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> of, of the maths. Yeah. Just tell me briefly how the key stage three and the uh, core maths resource differs there. They're fairly similar, aren't they? But the core yeah. maths one goes into more more mathematics or deeper mathematics. Would it be fair to say? Um. So, <clears throat> uh, so the the kind of core maths resource was designed first. Um. Um, and then there are some more uh, challenging questions in terms of critically analysing the data offered in the core maths version. So um, we simplified some of those questions for the key stage three version and made them a bit more positive. So um, one of the um, there are normal distribution graphs um, showing distributions of um, global uh, temperatures in the northern hemisphere and so in the core maths version we ask students well what does it mean to have a distribution of uh, northern hemisphere temperatures and these are mean temperatures so what the, what does that mean whereas in the key stage three version we ask we phrase it more positively um, in that if you were trying to um, measure uh, measure uh, a global temperature in the northern hemisphere, how could you make that more representative of the whole of the northern hemisphere? So in the core maths version, it's more actively critical and highlighting the problems and um, in the key stage three version it's more like well whatever strategies these students might offer um could be used positively in the classroom and it's a kind of subtle difference i suppose the key stage three one is a bit more friendly and a bit more accessible and it could well be that core maths teachers feel that that's appropriate for their core maths classroom so i don't see it as um exclusive to the key stage three classroom the other thing that was added for the key stage three version was a, a dynamic normal distribution that wasn't in context so that the students can play around with sliders for the mean and the standard deviation and watch how the bell curve changes um, and without the context so just how does the curve change um, and that feels accessible without all the the detail of knowing what an technically knowing what a normal distribution is. And I could well envisage that being supportive in a core maths classroom as well. So there are differences in the versions, but they're not exclusive to the two uses, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So one thing I'm thinking, um, one thing that strikes me is I don't, uh, 
I don't remember ever teaching normal distribution to key stage three. And I don't think it's explicitly on the curriculum, although obviously mean, medium mode is. So I think those are issues that would be useful for key stage three students to get an understanding of. And certainly that understanding that data is normally distributed in that bell shape um, seems like useful information. So I'm just wondering how you made that decision and how you made it appropriate for key stage three when it's stuff they might not meet otherwise. So the resource was initially designed for the core maths version and it felt like mathematical activity that was appropriate to the data we had and the context we were in and it felt like it was really revealing about well what's going on here how how does global how can global warming explain extreme cold temperatures as well as extreme hot temperatures and so the shape of a normal distribution um, as the variation increases the tails uh, become further apart and so actually you can mathematically the normal distribution is really revealing in, in explaining how we can get more extreme cold weather as well as more extreme uh, hot weather as the mean temperature is, is increasing. Um, but while we were aware that key stage three students don't need to know the technical uh, aspects of the normal distribution and yet it felt like all of this feels accessible and could be meaningful. And while they're thinking about um, the normal distribution, perhaps, actually they're doing a whole load of other skills that are helpful. So um, critically analysing graphs, um, thinking about measures of spread, central tendency, mean, um, and how the data is collected, the sampling techniques, felt helpful that probabilities can be represented in a diagram and even kind of transformations so describing the effect on the shape of the curve as you change the mean it's a translation and as you change the standard deviation it's a stretch um feels feels relevant and accessible to key stage three students also really useful i think for young students to realize that things are distributed in particular ways and just to have that meant that image in their mind as they go through school of this distribution that mm. crops up all you know in so many different situations I think is a really useful thing for them to have and it will stand them in good stead when they're learning geography or they're learning you know some sort of humanities or, or whatever it is that they're looking at I wonder as well whether it'll um, mean that teachers make a positive choice to to start with the context rather than thinking, well, this week I'm going to be teaching X on the maths curriculum, so and I'll do it through this resource. I think there's an increased likelihood that that will happen. And I think mm. the more that happens, the, the, the more students will engage positively with mathematics. And, you know, I, I, I used to be somebody who railed against the contextualisation of mathematics. I, I like maths for its own sake. And I thought it was really, you know, often done very badly and I think that was the problem you know that there, there was a contrivance Alison talked about shoehorning maths in I think uh, or, or context in um, earlier and and I think when it's done badly it's actually detrimental it kind of creates a sort of impression that context the relationship between context and mathematics is somewhat trivial and there's a contrivance there and and that's because I think a lot of the time people have a mathematical agenda 
and they go looking for something that fits that. Um, whereas in my experience, having a context which leads to some mathematics, which does require a different approach, you know, it kind of, you can't, it's not so predictable, but it's actually much more real. It feels much more real and therefore the students often respond much more positively to that approach, I think. And have you had any feedback from students or teachers on, on these resources yet? Um, yeah, so we've trialled trialed the resources with a few teachers um, and one um, comment that comes or question that's raised is can we sort of teach the maths curriculum while working on climate change? Um, and my sense from the teachers is yes, these resources will help with will help with that. It feel they've sort of reported back that the maths their students have been working on has been meaningful and they've been doing some mathematics while raising awareness of climate issues in their classroom. Yeah, one thing that springs to mind is that schools, we're aware that schools are taking different approaches. More schools are putting climate and sustainability on their action plans. And so um, some schools are addressing this by asking teachers of, across all of their subjects to start introducing climate issues into their classroom. Other schools are taking different approaches, but for those teachers that are asked to do some work on climate issues in their maths classroom, these resources have been well, well received. Several of the teachers have said at the point where there was um, large numbers in, involved, I decided to add in some practice on um, standard form at that point. And so they've adapted them to, um, I think they can be used in lots of different ways. So depending on what the maths focus is of the teacher, there's lots of opportunities for doing maths offered by these resources. It might be that a teacher chooses to then do a bit more work on the mathematics in some areas and supplements it with some other um, work. And that feels like a really positive way of, we can't um, really predict all of the different ways that teachers might want to use these resources, but they certainly offer a lot of opportunities. Mm. Well, um, it's interesting what Alistair was saying, though, about about some schools, you know, now requiring that all the other subjects address climate change. And when I was researching for this uh, podcast, I, I found lots of maths departments policy statements on um, teaching SMSC through maths, SMSC being spiritual, moral, social and cultural education. So um, it made me wonder how how much those policies are looked at and acted upon um, and how much uh, they're just sort of part of what's written down. Anyway, thank you both for talking to me. I'm, I'm hoping that the, our conversation today will at least get teachers to go and look at their maths department SMSC policy and um, think about whether they um, might want to address some of these climate change issues in the class in their maths lessons. And I, I imagine from what you're saying that you both might be interested in feedback from teachers if they are using them. Is that right? They're both nodding at me now. So if I can put your Twitter handles on the um, uh, on the podcast notes, then teachers could perhaps get in touch and let you know how they're finding them and um, and what they might suggest next. If you want to use the climate change resources, I'm talking to our listeners now, do search online. If you search for MEI climate change resources, you'll find them. But I will also put a link in the podcast notes so that you can find them. Thank you both for talking to us today. And to Thank our listeners, you. please don't forget to share this podcast and also subscribe so that you can hear the next episodes. And until our next episode, goodbye. <laughs>